Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to Propaganda, the show where we find out what has been said about Leeds United. Brought to you with Levi Solicitors, levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball for a 10% discount on your legal fees. Usual three with you. I'm Dan. There's Michael. And that's Moscow White. You can find these in your podcast app and on YouTube as well. Let's get into um, part one of this then where we deal with the sort of the Leeds feedback side of things. I feel this is going to be a show of contrast maybe today this half of the show because we are dealing with both Villa and Norwich which if you are familiar with what's been going on recently etc did we play Villa I only remember about six minutes of football from the last seven days the rest of it not bothered Mm. didn't happen somebody called our uh, our match ball and this is where we do deal with sort of feedback on the match ball somebody on Twitter said it was a disgrace (laughs) fair enough because we were we were too sad uh, we were we were wrong to react negatively to uh, to Leeds United's worst ever performance. <laughs> I was I was trying to reflect on whether it was the worst ever performance because I, I like I was said well were we have any better against Everton and I'm really not sure we were. I looked back at I didn't watch the game again against Everton because Christ why would you? But looking at the stats of it, it kind of reflected about the same I, thing. I will never watch that Villa game. No, I haven't now, and I will never watch it. I think the reason why the Villa game was so concerning was because it's the fresh starts the home debut of Jesse Marsh. But you're not supporting him enough. That was That's the problem. And it ended up coming on like, it reminded me of Steve Evans' first home game when he bigged it all up. We hadn't won at home for, I think, 11 months. And however many games that had been, there'd been somewhere in the in the way, but it was like 20 matches at home. We hadn't seen the win. He was like, you know, I know the importance of that and it's going to be a lifetime's dream come true to be uh, managing Leeds United at Elland Road. What a glorious occasion. And within 17 seconds, we were 1-0 down against Blackburn. <laughs> was that his first game? It was his first home game. <laughs> and uh, and it was the one that he'd been building up for ages, going like, you know, I know there's been a lot of negativity here. They haven't won at home for, for 11 months, but I'm going to be the one to come and turn it around. And, and, and it was, then at eight minutes, was it was gonna, 2-0. I was going to say, that it, was, it was definitely 2-0 within the first 10 minutes, wasn't it? And it was a similar kind of experience of, you know what, I mean, I hate Steve Holmes from the start in ways that I will never, ever hate Jesse Marsh, the completely different uh, kettles of battered fish in Steve Evans' case specifically. But you were giving him the chance, like, we'll see what will happen. Let's be positive. You know, it's another new watermelon. Let's see what happens. And 17 seconds and a goal. It's, and it was a similar kind of just deflation. I think that's what contributed to the the disappointment as well as um, as well as the facts of just how bad we were. It was the just how, what a letdown it was. I um, On reflection, I felt a bit guilty. You know the Marcelo Bielsa chant that went up at 3-0? I didn't sing that because... It didn't feel right because it felt bad on a human level for a guy who's coming in as a new manager. And I feel bad sort of on his behalf, which I shouldn't do. I don't know maybe if, if I'm going soft in my old age. Maybe, maybe that's Bielsa has done that to us. Yeah. We've, we've got to start viewing people as 
human beings again and, oh. not, and not just lay straightens because I don't, I'm not sure Steve Evans got any you're of just that. A, you're just a well-paid sack of meat in a lead shirt. That's it's, all you are. He was a hell of a sack of meat, wasn't wow, he, Steve Evans? True, yeah. I, remember, I always remember that Evans game because with selling the magazine stuff, I tend to get in a, like pretty much on kickoff. And it, you know the Roy Hodgson gif where he kind of goes, it was yeah. basically that I stepped into the ground as they as Blackburn had the ball then, and it's in. But okay, I might as well turn around and go home. I mean, we lasted a bit longer than that. Yeah, and I think the the reaction, the Bielsa chance and stuff weren't aimed at Jesse. He's just he was kind of a um, he takes the blame for the way the team played, but in terms of the anger, he's a kind of a bystander. It was the um, board, wasn't it? it was, yeah, he's aimed at the board. What have you done? What have you done? I didn't. And to be is, fair, uh, I did have that thought. Well, it's there, and it's them. They're they're there to be judged on what they have done because they made a big step into the unknown by doing what they did. And you've got to say, against Aston Villa, it looked like an absolute catastrophe. And you have to say, they are certainly not in the clear having beaten Norwich because that is something that essentially everybody does. Mm. So we we can't exactly... Bet your fun at parties. But we can't, we can't... I'm not ready to claim that this has been the right decision yet. Or no, of course that, not. That indeed, but it's a good appointment because... We'll, we'll know that as soon as we're either down or we're safe. But, yeah. you know, let's... And the, the, the point about the Norwich thing, there was plenty of criticism in the wider media about saying, oh, it's only Norwich. You know, it wasn't actually in the wider media. It was other fans, Twitter fans, trying to be edgy, saying, you know, it's only pathetic Norwich. And as you just said, everyone does that. But it's like, it was brilliant. What oh, a brilliant yeah, to... I know I'm going to remember that moment and like the Man United equaliser for years to come. Like, it was amazing. It was just a brilliant, because it was a perfect setup, wasn't it? As we, we touched on in the match ball, mm. it was just the, the ultimate staring down the barrel to complete elation within the space of three minutes. And to touch on the wider media and kind of for where attitudes about Marsh are, uh, I think it's worth kind of laying out a, sort of the statement. It's like, I still wish Bielsa was here. I think lots of people do, but it doesn't mean there's no backing for Marsh. I'm very skeptical about him. But then the wider reaction to him actually is making me backing him more after the Norwich game and anybody who gets the propaganda emails got all this on Monday but the uh, the opening of the match report in the Daily Mail to borrow American sporting parlance it felt like Jesse Marsh was readying his team for a Hail Mary Marsh airborne on the touchline looked more like an NBA star with a slam dunk salute uh, but for Leeds a three-pointer at last so that's the Daily Mail then in the Telegraph in American sport they call it a Hail Mary yeah. and then in the Times they did quite well they got through and then right at the end a Hail Mary moment in game three for the American coach. It's like, can you just leave him alone with that? Like, there's lots of things to like or dislike about Jesse Marsh, but I'm I'm sort of forming a little gang of defensiveness around him where I want to go and um, poke the noses of anybody. Three lazy Hail Mary cliches in three newspapers is too many. At least get, you know, an original way of, abusing, not abusing him, but being stupid about him being I'm American. fairly sure I used the phrase Hail Mary in, in, you know, when you were texting, when I was texting around about friends about, you know, like, people who are at the game just discussing it. And I'm, in I'm a text a, is fine. Right. I shouldn't have run up to this. But these people, <laughs> these people are being paid tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of pounds to write original, interesting things about football. And nobody can come up with a better idea than the coach is American. Uh, Hail Mary. It's fine in the text. People talk that way. But you would have the filter. I would trust you not to then go, I think that's going to be my my big match report hook. Mm. And you and you know everyone else is going to do it as well. Lazy. Um, just on the scepticism angle. I love you, Jesse. Let's not forget that... Don't love you, football. Let's yeah. not forget there was plenty of scepticism about Bielsa going into the Stoke game. No one knew what we were going to get there either. The difference was the immediacy of the kind of turnaround. Like we saw just this amazing performance where we absolutely dismantled Stoke from the get-go. And it's not been quite the same out-of-the-blocks thing because it's different circumstances for Jesse Marsh. But 
I do truly wish him well. And I, I think we saw some really good signs in the Leicester game and again against Norwich that hopefully he can get us to where we need to be. I mean, if we'd got a point against Leicester, which we we definitely deserved, if not all three, four points from the, those opening games would have been a decent return and everyone yeah. would have been fairly positive about it. It was just, The Villa game was... It was really bad, though. There's no, there's no kind of glossing no. over it. It inspired someone who hasn't put a name to it actually to subscribe to TSB Plus, so they, so they could submit feedback to say how much they hated it, which is quite, which is quite dedicated. Warnock Ball V2 is what they said. Yes, don't go cancelling before the trial finishes. Square pegs. You've committed to this now. <laughs> I mean, he's annoyed about those. square pegs and round holes. Uh, Rodrigo and Pablo's number, which is a disrespect <laughs> given the way he played there. Rodrigo, in some ways, actually, he kind of encapsulates these few days, doesn't it? Because yeah. Essentially, we were all ready to just chuck him in a bin after after Villa. It was like, well, what is he ever going to do? What is he for? He contributed nothing. He lost the ball more or less every time he had it. And then against Norwich, all of a sudden, he was possibly our best well, player. Well, one of Jesse Marsh's qualities, if you are to believe the reports, is man management. You know, he's a very touchy-feely man management person, whereas we know Bielsa was very much on the opposite end of that particular spectrum. And if that's maybe what they need, they, they needed that arm around them. Just to, got, how many times does he need to call him a fine young man before he plays yeah, well? Yeah, it does need to change the record where that's concerned. But um, even still, you know, he made a point, didn't he, of saying in the post-match after Norwich, like, I spoke to him at length as part of the leadership group. And I really like that. I think that's it's a really important step because maybe he just needs to be told how important he is and to feel loved and actually to take some responsibility on and justify your price tag because that's what... If people are getting on his back, it's because he was bloody expensive and he should be better than he has been. He can have no... He can have no real qualms about the ways people are unhappy with him, can he? You can't exactly go. Well, I don't. I don't know what what you think is wrong with my performance. Look at it; it was magnificent. I, I passed the ball. Okay, it was to people not on my team all know, the time. I know it, at certain points, Leeds fans have been quite shit to some of our best players. Like Beckford used to always get a stick, and Viduka always used to get a stick. They basically essentially got it for the same thing of not not running around enough. But they were very obviously incredibly good players for us. Rodrigo is a long way from that at the moment and he needs to he does need to improve and he needs to give Norwich type performances for the rest of the season more or less because he's you know he is our record signing I know in Premier League terms it's not a phenomenal amount of money but it's a lot it's a lot I mean it's 20 I don't have 27 million pounds no so it is a lot uh I'm just looking sorry I'm just looking through the comments I've just been drawn to a comment here by by Tom in the wake of the Villa game and it just sums it up the fairy tale is over <laughs> that is how it felt, isn't it? It's how it felt. But then uh, Norwich really came down to a fairy tale, didn't it? Mm. What a the fairy tale! It was it was Hollywood. Ending. It was perfect. It was Hollywood. Yeah, it's actually that's another one. I've not watched the. Did I watch the Villa game back? I can't remember now. I, I, said, I think I said I was going to, and then I got to it, and I thought I can watch it within the last seven days, and I can't remember. That's a bit worrying. Mike, but, you were right, by the way. Philip is saying he says I know Moscow suggested holding fire until after the Norwich game, but that could be another shit show. This was in the wake of the Villa game. Philip said this. So it was quite prescient. Ooh. Well, so well done, you. <laughs> pat myself on the back. I don't but, remember but actually, that either. One of the, the hallmarks of the Norwich game was having more square pegs in square holes. And people were saying this. The people mm. who were trying to cling on to some vague hope in the wake of what happened against Villa were saying, just play players in the natural positions, you know, such as Luke Ayling, who had a, mm. a sparkling afternoon. Llorente <laughs> being back was a big help because it meant he could come mm. into defence and move things about. And then also Furpo not being not being there in the team meant Sadly. we had no choice but to put Dallas to left back. And so there were some things kind of, uh, the, the tools were there that Marsh needed to put the right pegs in the right holes. You know, you, you can kind of, you can't really, you can criticise Bielsa. What it comes down to with Bielsa and not playing strikers up front is Bamford being injured and him not using Gellhart. Yeah. But then 
it's interesting that Marsh has gone the same route that he thinks Gellhart's a substitute and has started with James and Rodrigo up front and then against Norwich we saw the, the real benefit of Bamford coming back and it's in, it's it's an open question isn't it of whether that's about having a square peg in a square hole so a striker up front and so if we played Gellhart in all those games we would have had a, a similar effect or whether it really needed it to be Bamford because the other strikers we've got whether they're Rodrigo, Tyler Roberts or Gellhart, nobody seems to have thought, well, Bielsa and then Marsh haven't thought they can do what Bamford will do. And it's only the 45 minutes when we had Bamford on the pitch against yeah. Norwich that we've done he was He was a huge difference. He was a huge presence, actually. I think we mentioned it on the match. But I just need to go back to um, just uh, tidying up the Villa game. Something I won't say whose name it is because they might end up getting pelters for doing this because you know what people are like on like social media. But it's a 55-year-old Leeds fan. He said... It actually made him feel depressed at the Villa game to the extent that he left just before half-time, something he's never done in 50 years of supporting Leeds, even in the Bates era. And he thinks it's rooted in grief for Bielsa and angry and anger at his treatment by the club hierarchy. And he cried all the way back to his car. Took it bad then. I mean, I mean I'd be interested yeah. to get feedback from... It Sam, was grim. It from, really was grim. ...from same person over um, Norwich. Uh, I will have a look through the comments here to see if we have got something from, from that same person. But um, no, I don't think we have actually, but... All the same, isn't it amazing what just a win and a win in that manner can do? Because I've been buzzing for like two days now. It, Still off that. It was just, brilliant. Just before I forget on Urente, we didn't, I don't think we mentioned on the match ball, his falling over during oh, yes. an entire half challenging. It was like, I think you managed to use both feet, his mm-hmm. chest, his head, his head, his, head, yeah, that was his ass. Was that the one just in front of the East stand? Yeah. He was, yeah. he was doing sort of spins on the floor like a breakdancer. Yeah, he just, yeah. Sort of, he just kind of rolled over, rolled on top of the ball for about 20 metres, yeah. just following it. it Keeping was, it good and calm. Good old Diego. <laughs> it was very controlled. <laughs> he was he was better though, actually. I mean, yeah. Admittedly, uh, yes, against Norwich, the old, the usual caveats, but he was much better. And also it was crucial for the first goal because that... Um, you could call it lumping it forward, but with Durante, he is quite good at those long passes and it seems like we're going to be playing a lot of them. So that works. His distribution from the back that way is is a useful weapon. It's weird. Um, I know we were kind of poking fun at the idea of it being like a rebadged, rebadged Warnock ball, but I actually liked seeing the ball go up to Bamford and him winning it. I thought mm. it's not something, it's not an outlet we've had, you know, because there have been times when we've been under pressure and, you know, sort of bomb scare moments at the back when we've tried to pass it out which is beautiful to look at when it works but we have also so many times this season put ourselves under stupid pressure like in wide areas in particular because people know it'll end up at the fullback piling to the fullback so actually to see him just occasionally put your foot through it send it away from danger so we can all just gather ourselves together and not live at our wits end all the time was nice I liked mm-hmm. and then Bamford being there because he's tall like versus Dan James I don't know if you've noticed he's smaller mm-hmm. Um, Gail Hart somewhere in the middle. Uh, yeah. They didn't stop Gail. But Gail then, Hart, but then Joff, I mean, let, let's get into that then and, and the Norwich, the joy of that and that winning goal. There's so much in it from every single angle that's been posted. Skrill, all the angles. But even from the header, laughing at Ben Gibson not being able to get up above Joffe. Because by, even when that ball's going to him, I still expect Ben Gibson to win it. I still He's expect terrible. him to get this. Honestly. And Joffe it's a, just. It's a full Peter Shilton, Diego Maradona mismatch isn't it you think yeah. well surely he's oh no he's no the little he's, man the little man's got there and then not only that but the direction of Gail Hart's header was absolutely out of this world and then there's Rafinha's aggression um, and desire to get on that ball and he nicks it away and goes through there's the crowd saying go on as he picks it up and goes through then he goes round the keeper and goes wide and then there's a secondary slightly quieter but go on because everyone thought he'd fucked it yeah and even Bryn, I mean, again and then you match it up with Bryn Law's commentary when he when he's got his hands on his head if you haven't seen that video yet on the 
on LUTV. It's on the website, isn't it? Where he goes, oh, he's gone to... And before the sentence has fully formed in his head <laughs> and got out of his mouth, the ball's gone back across to Gelhart and we're on the next little action in the play and Gelhart scored and Bryn's going bananas. It's just so much in there, wasn't it? And, and even the crowd shots as well, picking out individual people mm. or areas or, or like I say, all the different angles. There's one that covers the cop where you just see people spilling down <laughs> the gangway. It was just, it was perfect. And football is about moments and moments like that. And I don't care if it was against Norwich. It was still brilliant. And any game, even if even if we weren't in a relegation battle, which we we are very much are, even if it was a mid-table game, when you've when you've thrown away a, a goal in injury time and then you get one back, it's brilliant. But it reminded me of the Blackburn game in um, which admittedly was two goals, wasn't it? But the game in the championship where they scored in the last minute and it was like bollocks, lost this, and then all of a sudden it, you within seconds you you pull back round and again Man United same, just just that almost instant turnaround that you can get at football. It's why it's better than other sports, yeah. in my opinion, because generally speaking, you can feel things changing in other sports and it happens slowly like. If you're watching tennis, someone doesn't suddenly win a set. It kind of it plays out, and you get to you, you see it happen. And in rugby, things build slowly, generally speaking. And cricket, you get obviously you get quick wickets and stuff, but it feels like things play out over such a long period of time in other sports. Football is just it can just change in an absolutely in a second. Yeah, and it's it's what makes it so great. And again, I've, I forgot to mention then in the build up to that, the Norwich fans singing was it you're not singing anymore yeah, just at the start of it, and you yeah. just hear it fade out as Rafinha goes through, and it's just it's perfect. It's that in itself, that they should mint the video of that as an NFT. If you're going to sell, <laughs> don't, stu- inc- don't encourage. If you're going to sell stupid NFTs, that, no, that will be that will be a very valuable. If one. If they do this now, it's on you. I don't want you to do. Don't do. If you're listening, Andrea, and I know you like all the bleeding edge disruptor stuff, don't do this. <laughs> Terrible idea. But you know, if you had to, if you had to can a particular moment, that it was beautiful. It was a Renaissance painting, but made into a football match. If that mm-hmm. makes sense, it was. I loved it. And then it all still came down. <laughs> To Melier's face. To somebody just smacking the ball into the keeper's face. It's incredible. Which it's all part of the beauty of football. I would not have uh, I would not have thought it beautiful had Pookie scored that, but a little bit like after the Derby County game, I probably would have had that sensation of what the hell have I seen? And I still feel that way. I think you've got to kind of take Melier's save as part of that whole sequence and just go, What the hell was all of that about? Tim Krull got an assist nearly. <laughs> Tim Krull, and that assist where he's punted yeah. it up from the other end. I mean, because, you know, he, he's got a key pass in there as Melia, hasn't he? Key mm. pass up to Joffe with the assist, mm. almost, because no, he went back to him, didn't it? But, you know, he's he's not far off being involved in that goal, Melia. Different kettle of fish to Tim Krull being on the edge of our D and hooking it back in for Pookie to put it in in the 96th minute. Such a busy day. Playmaker, goalkeeper and referee. Yeah. All, on, all in the one he day. did well, didn't he, the lad? There's an interesting question here from, um, from Gillian in the feedback. And we've got, you know, the usual topics are in there, people concerned about us not taking chances and how narrow we were, things like that. But questions around the, the pressure of playing in front of the fans, and it's something that Marsh touched upon, actually, in the wake of the Villa game about maybe the, the players are so desperate to do well, and yet the crowd can maybe be a hindrance, was the first hint of that. Whereas Bielsa always spoke very positively and in glowing terms about, you know, football being for the fans. It was interesting just to hear that different slant on it. And Gillian is asking, have the players played better? Maybe they played better last season when there was no one in because there's there's just not that added pressure or the, the ebb and flow of the crowd maybe probably right I think but what Bielsa knew was that in front of an empty stadium it's basically pointless anyway so regardless of the result what's the why bother even playing it sort of thing yeah. so but I think it did help us last year and I think it did help us as much as we kind of laughed at Carney for the um, Leeds got promoted because of Covid I don't think it helps in terms of fitness particularly which is what she was getting at but I do think the 
the pressure of Ellen Road not being there probably did help. Yeah, because that, that Barnsley game. Because there were there were moments in that running where you can tell people would have been stressed about it. And Ellen Road is not it's not it was it was kind of there on Saturday. It was right it was on a knife edge, wasn't it? Yeah. That was the thing. But it, that's why it's even better though. It was well. like if that full time whistle blows after the, the Norwich goal, if if the refs only put two minutes of injury time up and that's the end of the game, the whole atmosphere is toxic and horrible and Victor Alter's crying because people are chucking stuff at him and not because <laughs> I don't know, he's he's happy that Joe Gellart scored. It, it, the whole the whole yeah, experience yeah. of that game and the way we talk about it and the way we view the rest of the season has changed in a in a in a second and really you could you could say is that even fair <laughs> because it doesn't make it it's very it's a very small moment to have completely turned the way everyone feels but I mean I still feel a little bit worried I know I think we've you're right to because we're still in in a very perilous position but we've given ourselves a hell of a chance now we just need to repeat that outcome a couple more times. Mm get some draws and we'll probably be all right. Yeah. On if, on um, Marsh and the crowd and the, the way of playing, I was thinking during the Norwich game, particularly in the first half when the press was brilliant and we're, we're right at them and we're being aggressive and something he talked about afterwards where he said the difference was that we were aggressive from the start and were able to bring the crowd into the match more. It occurs to me how that kind of style of play is has got to be very dependent on mood. Because if you're not in a good mood, you're not going to want to be... The balls forward are going to go, you're going to go, bloody hell, you've conceded yeah. possession And again. you all want to yeah, chase yeah. down their players and do all that stuff. It's really difficult. And you saw how easy it was against Aston Villa not to do it. And we we're kind of talking about them taking some easy options. So that's where Marsh's man management, which when he talks about it, kind of does make my skin crawl a little bit because it's just not an approach that I kind of get along with. But then he talks about the effect on Rodrigo and that when he says out loud he's like we had a leadership council meeting and then we had conversations and he got a lot of our, out of our conversation I got a lot out of our conversation he's a great intelligent young man you just oh, turn it in but we're British we repress our feelings and it works <laughs> but it worked and Rodrigo whatever it did to get him yeah. uh, mentally up for that match did all the right things and so maybe it is the right approach in the atmosphere at Ellen Drold is to have somebody there um, working with them. I wasn't too keen on um, one of Marsh's comments after the game where he said, uh, talking about the effect of the crowd, where he said, I can tell how intelligent they are by how they cheer and when they cheer. They'll get to understand more and more what the tactics behind what we're trying to do are and the right kind of cheering to make to help the team. <laughs> and I think... Don't tell me how to cheer, Jesse. I think it's a kind of a response to how we felt or I felt after the Norwich game, uh, the Villa game, and what I could hear around us where there were loads of people going, screaming for width. And the style of play was obviously winding up a lot of people in the crowd because it was so do so different from Bielsa. I'm not sure how I feel about him saying that we need to learn more about the style of play so that we will stop. We will start cheering when we go narrow and bang it up to the big man and all this kind of stuff. The right kind of chip, but... I know what you, you know. get. It's, it's basically, it's like, as a football fan, and this is what you see happen on Twitter quite a lot, for example, is you can't really tell football fans how to be football fans. Yeah. You, you know, it just, it is what it is. And, and it, I know what I was know. watching. Yeah. And against the Villa, you can't tell me that I was, you know, cheering the wrong things because there was nothing to cheer. And also, I'd like sort of, when we're talking about watching games back, I've deliberately not watched the Norwich game back because I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> um, I'm really happy about the last six minutes and I'm really content that we made enough chances in the first half that we should have been 4-0 up by halftime and then all the chaos and like scraping past Norwich stuff doesn't happen. But I feel like a lot of, I'm not sure I'm on, totally on board with the style of football that we're going to be 
playing. I was just going to say before you come in, Michael, that I suspect part of that is just a defensive mechanism from Jesse Marsh is that he he wants to succeed and just like he's almost saying there, just give me the time to implement yeah. my ideas. And just the way it's come out, isn't and, it? Yeah, because it's almost like it comes across as you need to learn how I operate because yes. I'm the daddy now. But actually, it, there's there's also a defense mechanism built into that in that just give me just give me the time. We did. We gave him at least we half an hour against Villa. <laughs> so I'm going to after 60 minutes, whatever it was, we were cheering Marcel up else's now. Go on, Michael, sorry. I was just going to say on the style, I felt like against Norwich, there were moments where I thought, this is admittedly, yeah, you have to understand how negatively my head works around these things. But I was watching it and there were, mo- there were certain passages of play where I thought a good team probably creates a chance there or scores there. But as it was, it went to Josh Sargent who had to have eight touches and was trying to get it under control and trying to look up by which point they'd been tackled. And you yeah. think, like in the Villa game, it was telling that like Coutinho just appeared in places and was pulling strings. And it's hard to compare that against the Norwich team who have basically no one who's any good. Yeah, but, yeah. but the other side to this argument is it was a good time to face Norwich. And when we looked at the fixtures and we saw that as a game we could win and all right, the, the pressure stakes have been ramped up way beyond anything we ever wanted. But if there ever there was a good team to face when we mm. needed three points it was then and a good time to sort of test the system and get people learning and now they've got another 90 minutes of it under their belt and it was slightly tweaked as well because it was a 4-2-3-1 yeah. versus the 4-2-2-2. Uh, mm. um, he'll change from game to game by the sound of it. He'll do he'll do a match plan based on the opponent but there was certainly, it felt like we went wider whereas against Villa, I don't know if it was maybe because of the lack of time he's had with the players that he told all the players his ideas against Villa and they replaced everything they'd ever learned with that. Yeah. And then before the Norwich game, he basically said, you can still do the old stuff. Like, oh, okay, right. Yeah, so so yeah, we can yeah, use yeah. the 20 yards between me and the touchline. Cool. Oh, we can go out there. So there's a little bit a little bit more of the good Bielsa stuff that he has said as well, that they, they shouldn't lose. But I wonder if the tension, um, the stress of the, the first home game just had everybody that wound up that they were just like, no, we can only do the new boss's ideas. And yeah. It's like, and it's that eagerness, to, off a little the bit. eagerness to please as well, which is why it was a risk basically tearing up the manual and starting again, wasn't it? But hopefully we've got enough. But then again, there's other parts of this that I thought, whilst it is a little bit, a tiny bit more industrial, but then again, everything is against what Bielsa does. I mean, like I was yeah. watching, I watched like um, Palace Man City last night. And there were times when Man City were just lumping it forward, you know, and, and actually maybe we've, we've been, we've become too pure in our ideals through watching Bielsa's football in that we've been spoiled and it's so beautiful and he was trying to create art and actually being a little bit more pragmatic at moments is maybe there's a function for it in this division and even if and I think did I say this on the match ball even if Marsh only ever proves to be average above average maybe that's just what we need to get settled into the division if, we, if we've if we narrowed the parameters of being either brilliant or awful if we're fine somewhere in the middle and we grind out some of these results with slightly more practical football then, then that, that that is why he's here the practicality of it is it comes across in things like set pieces as well because under Bielsa we basically had to accept we'd never score from a corner and quite often they would score and if you can just change that that actually makes about it can be like a 15 goal swing across well, the well, season I was say, can, it was, it can, was, which can make a really quite a big difference but it just feels cheap yeah. and allardyce well, and say we don't it was, like it anymore it was suggested <laughs> that he, he never trained either defensively or attacking corners because he sort of saw them as impure somehow Bielsa. But but it was like, well, we'll do more, the more interesting stuff. Yeah, which is nice, nice, nice passing patterns, which was beautiful. But, you know, like, was it a third of all goals are scored from set-piece situations? Unfortunately, so. other teams really do practice them. Yeah, they which, do. Which it, puts us quite Which, quite which is, which is uh, uncouth and cheating. Mm-hmm. It sort of comes down to, like, burning down the Louvre and moving into an Ikea, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's it. Um, before we wrap up this half of the show, because we've got to get onto the uh, the opposition fans and the wider world of propaganda... 
Um, let's talk about Mike Dean because we didn't mention Mike Dean mm. and his hand in our outcome against Norwich because he doesn't like us, Mike Dean. No referees like us. We all know this. And yet he kind of went in our favour quite a bit. I, I think Boney M has called this exactly right. Thank God the penalty was given so Mike Dean could step into his showman role and overturn it. Because <laughs> if he doesn't give it, Mike Dean is probably going, ooh, have a look at that, you know? Right. I can. I'm, How can I insert myself into I've the got, narrative? I've got a job to do here, haven't I? Let's, uh, yeah, have a look at that. I think that is a penalty. And then, then the rest, because it's Mike Dean, has to go, oh, okay, Mike. I would wonder, I'd like to hear the full, like, 90-minute recording of the conversations between Mike Dean and Stuart Atwell because there was a lot of times when Atwell was waiting before blowing for a foul. Mm. Well, even, yeah, I wonder if they do that, you know, where they tell him how to ref the game. And I think if it's Mike Dean, yeah, you don't trust him not to, do you? You don't call me Mike, you call me Mr. <laughs> Dean or Dad. I know, and the way Atwell kind of did not have control by the end of the game, um, certainly, you know... Tell me, Mike! You need yeah. to speak faster. So, but I think all the calls seem to be right um, the Dan James one's probably um, the nearest to being wrong mm, I think that's definitely a penalty I think Dan James you know we always used to hate the little scum bastard when he was yeah. doing this for Man United where if you watch what he does and the way that he, he arcs his run he's very very clever at this about putting his body between the player and the ball mm. and he did he, he definitely sort of leans and prepares for the contact doesn't he which yeah. you know is cheating if it's the opposition fine if it's us the, the annoyance with it is though is that I've seen Mo Salah and Harry Kane win about yeah. 30 penalties doing exactly the same well, thing. It's the, but it's the old VAR checking ba- shirt badge, checking badge on and shirt. It's, and it's absolutely always given when yeah. they do it. And it well, it was so given it, in the Brentford Burnley, wasn't it? And there was a huge amount of force in it as well. It wasn't yeah. one of these where there's a bit of a lean. I know Dan James is a, probably weighs about eight stone, but he really was absolutely sent flying with that. Yeah. The other thing, when they first goal actually as well, I know I, I completely understand that within the rules it's not offside. I sort of think that should be offside. Yeah, because he's the ball was aimed towards him. The defenders were dealing with him. If they, if he wasn't there, the defenders could just leave it. If we'd they? have conceded that, I'd have been furious. But we didn't. So and it's also, fine. <laughs> and also, I think if you compare that to the goal West Ham scored, where Bowen was literally within a millimeter of taking the ball in front, when it was in front of Melier, and that was judged to not be offside, then absolutely fine. We do deserve yeah. it. It's just, it's more of a general point of the rules. I think are stupid on that because. Yeah. If you if you're offside and you're causing a distraction, but in this case, yeah, it's, it's within the rules. We're going it, to be we're no, going to be hypocrites. It's always no, it's always a goal. Is that I think it is different to the Boeing one. The Boeing one was a ridiculously extreme example of it, where there's someone right in the goalkeeper's face sliding in. Yeah. But fuck it, we deserve some <laughs> we deserve some breaks. <laughs> and just because we haven't rubbed any salt in Dean Smith's eyes yet, but the one uh, the penalty that was overturned on VAR, where he's complaining that um, because he the player stood on. Um, Luke Hayling's leg and he was like well Luke Hayling's leg was there where was he supposed to go if, he, if, his, if his leg hadn't been there he'd put his foot down <laughs> and he'd score but so hang on will... a second if a footballer's leg is not on the pitch where's it supposed to be Moscow? and if the goalkeeper's not in the goal then we can just shoot and score and if we don't get tackled we can just shoot and score Luke Hayling was lucky because it was a lunge and I don't think he necessarily knew what he was getting himself into but the end result was not Luke Hayling committing a foul. It was Luke Hayling's leg being in a place that the other player then stood on yeah, and then but, fell over. So the other player had lots of options. He could have put his, his foot somewhere else. He could have stayed on his feet. He could have done lots of things to score a goal there if he really wanted to. But um, he didn't because it was about the 17th time that rat dived in the match anyway. So Yeah, he did do a really, a really, really weak dive in the first half, which you should have been booked for mm-hmm. when Dan James chased him into the box and he went over. I will say Luke Ayling's reaction was quite kind of interesting on it because he didn't immediately jump up and say that's not a penalty, did he? 
His his body language was very much. I bet he didn't know. Oh shit! I've lunged in it because he knew. Yeah. He, yeah, he knew he'd lunged, and the guy had gone down. So mm. somewhere in that kind of passage of play, that moment, which was you know it was, it was instantaneous, wasn't it? And we, so you, you can understand maybe at that speed, you know, in real time, why the ref's given it because mm. he's seen him lunge in and he's seen him go down. But thank God, thank God for VAR, Michael. It's a great, it's a great system. It is. Um, let's wrap up this half. <clears throat> excuse me. Let's wrap up this half by saying um, what Marvin said. Is Europe still a possibility? Yes, it is. It's a wonderful contrast to our uh, friend who left in tears in the first half against Aston Villa three days earlier, and then yeah, then we've got thinking Europe. Yeah, I mean, are we counting uh, Cardiff as Europe? For next season. Close enough, Michael, close enough. There you go, then that wraps up the first half of Propaganda. Second half is where we will find out what's been said by opposition fans. Not Villa fans. No. No. no, Fuck fuck those guys. No no need for that, is there? Um, And also what's been going on in the wider world of Propaganda as well, so stay tuned for that. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Second half then, as promised, is where we go through what's been said by opposition fans. We're dealing now with the fallout from the Villa game, but mostly the Norwich game. Yay. All Norwich. Is it all Norwich? Yeah, we don't need to hear from Villa fans, do we? Just in a sentence, tell us what you found when you listened to Villa fans. Did not listen to them. Great. Right, into Norwich. (laughs) I I basically waited, (laughs) hoping we would beat Norwich, so I could then ignore Villa entirely and pretend it hadn't happened, because no one needs to hear laughing sticking your head in the sand is the best way to deal with any crisis exactly. I thought well we've already going to potentially have a happy Dean Smith if they, if they get a result so uh, there's just going to be just, too much just before we do get the clips just Dean Smith check out his hair he's got two haircuts as Dean Smith well, I think I mentioned this on the show before it's it's a weird kind of uh, the top of his head and the sides of his head they don't match it's two separate haircuts I'm just going to look at him now Mm. It's like someone's taken two separate lots of Lego hair and spliced them together in in some sort of Frankenstein's monster kind of vibe. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's definitely short sides, but then it kind of it sort of t- it mushrooms out a bit at the yeah. top, doesn't it? Mm. Just have a look on your own time. Uh, you don't have to stop the show, or you could do it. Maybe Google it while you're listening. Onto the clips, then, and we're going straight into Norwich. Michael Bailey. We mentioned Michael Bailey, didn't we, on the um, on the match ball? Michael Bailey is the journalist who used to work for the Pinken, which is the uh, Norwich equivalent of the Yorkshire Evening Post. It's their sports paper. 
he then went to the Athletic. Great bunch of lads. Great bunch of lads. Great bunch of lads. So he's technically he's sort of, albeit some sort of colleague type, is mm. he? Well. Not of me. Not of you, Moscow. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of him? He, well, he was him of the, uh, the Sonic Warfare, wasn't it? I just think of his tweet of February the 2nd, 2019. <laughs> sent from tweet that This is ridiculous. He was at Elland Road, uh, to set the context for uh, Norwich um, visiting Leeds. This is ridiculous. I've never witnessed anything like it. When Dia passed one, two, three into the box, then the PA blares out white noise and full volume. The white noise stops just after Casilla collects a distracted cross. Um, so he was convinced in the 35th minute when we're, we were a goal we're, down to Norwich City. Running psyops. That we were deliberately playing um, like um, white noise through the PA. And then obviously ratio is what the kids say, don't they? It doesn't actually say how many replies there are on this, but 49 quote tweets. Um, I think not necessarily saying yes. Good point, Michael. I think 30 well of said. them might have been me. <laughs> uh, the, the top reply, I think it'll be obviously because I follow him, um, Michael Normanton. We had a scoreboard that didn't work for at least three years. <laughs> well, his, oh, uh... actually, there is a um, a Norwich fan who I, I won't put people's names in this, but she says, "Do they have any morals at all?" <laughs> <laughs> Clutches pearls, and then yeah, everyone else never witnessed anything like it uh, with lots of cry laughing emojis. Somebody, uh, in fact, our good friend Joe Gamble, the excellent um, artist and uh, squareball contributor, actually found his tweets from 2017, November 19, with exactly the same thing um, happening that he described as a. That's uh, all part of the um, part of the operation we were running. Get people to tweet about it from the past exactly. gives uh, gives plausible deniability, doesn't it? Len, if you like hacking say. into the Twitter servers, posting stuff in the past. Yeah, it's just like messing with your brain, isn't it? Gaslighting people exactly. if you like. Yeah, yeah excellent. Well, he, he's, he's, um, he, did, he, he kept going. <laughs> Apparently, it happens all the time up there, though. Right. Now the transfer window is closed. You might be able to find a couple of quid to sort the PA issues out. Anyway, it's Sunday now, and I think it's probably time you guys let this go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, start, a, you started this, Michael. Yeah. And, um, and that wasn't even his last word on it. Um, I mean, given this tweet factually describes what happened and it was something I've not experienced at a match before. I'm doubling down. It's not my fault. It's your fault. This has got quite the reaction. It's your fault that I didn't know. I didn't, you, I didn't bother looking into this, so it's your fault. You lot reacting to this are the ones who are all crazy. For the record, <laughs> I have tweeted about this since and if you really want to keep getting wound up about it, that's up to you. And here we are, what are we, three years later? <laughs> Never well, forgotten, Michael. Never well, forgotten. Well, Phil Hayes says he's nice anyway. Yes, I'm sure he is nice, but yeah. I don't care. So, yeah. Fair enough. He's an idiot. <laughs> well, he's, um, <laughs> you get nice idiots. His, his appreciation of the... Of <laughs> They're often the best kind. <laughs> of the technology. You know a horrible idiot. They're, they're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing the, he does these from inside the stadium I've seen him do watched him do them a few times this is great it's amazing can you hear him over the din well I have to say that there was that we mentioned on the match ball there was a hum coming out of the PA system at Ellen Road mm. I, was, I was a little bit concerned that maybe like I say somebody had spilled some water on a cable or something like that but what you can see from this video is the way that either the <laughs> Wi-Fi or the 4G or whatever it is at Ellen Road completely knackered like the PA system because he doesn't move for large parts of it and he's got a fully a block, you know, like um, the video phones in the Iraq War, that kind of video quality that you got at that very early stage. How was the from, Iraq War for you? From sort of satellites. Um, it, it was not very successful, as no. I remember, and, and probably illegal. <laughs> but let's not, that's probably a, probably a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Though, well, I mean, he's into the sort of the kind of Guantanamo Bay 
uh, Sonic Warfare stuff, isn't he? So if, if <laughs> maybe I don't know, maybe it'll stick, stick him in an orange jumpsuit. Maybe yeah. it's all part of the conspiracy. Anyway, anyway, on the on the decisions actually, just because uh, we were talking about him, he thought Alien should have been sent off, but he agreed with everything else. Yeah, it was actually ridiculously reasonable, yeah. which is annoying. But on the balance of play. Uh, Leeds had better chances. John Rowe did hit the crossbar late on, but um, Rafinha hit the crossbar in the first half as well, the underside of it. Um, Leeds had the better chances. And just on the whole balance of play, looking at that game and viewing it, I think I tweeted this, viewing it from the point that, you know, this is a team Norwich are competing with to try and stay up. This was the basically the third team Norwich could try and beat to drag in and finish above. They just weren't really close enough to them in quality. <laughs> the noise at the end actually is very might trigger might be a bit triggering. <laughs> it's happening again. Like the Manchurian candidate where he's got that's it, he's, he's gonna go off now with a pistol and uh, anyway. Um next one. The Pinkin, his his former uh, employer and Jimba the Fridge, that American the, the ref- American football the refrigerator. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is this is Dave Freezer. Okay, is it his cousin? Do we need to explain that? Because anybody under the age of about 40 is not going to necessarily get that reference. The fridge was just a massive American footballer, wasn't he? He was like a a fridge. Not to be confused with it, because it was was Boris Johnson hid in a fridge, not the same fridge. Yeah, and like an American-style fridge-freezer fridge as well, not like a little one that goes under your your kitchen works. To the best of our knowledge, Boris Johnson has never been inside the American football player, the refrigerator. Dave Freezer sounds a bit more like a DJ that you get at like a harvester or something, doesn't it? <laughs> With sounds from DJ Dave Freezer. <laughs> Leeds deserved the points. Leeds played the better. Um, Jesse Marsh's plans um, worked better than, than Dean Smith, um, frankly. And Norwich are now facing an absolutely miserable three weeks that we're all dreading, aren't we? And we all kind of know. Um, we all kind of know what's happening. And the one thing I would say with Leeds as well is that I think if Bielsa was still in charge, they'd have won this game because the first half is where it exemplified it. They they pressed Norwich so hard. They were so intense. Norwich just couldn't cope with them, really. And they, as I said earlier, they could have been three or four nil up and, and deservedly so. I like him. I say this with no disrespect to Jesse Marsh, but um, never mind Bielsa, we could have won that game with a golden retriever in charge. <laughs> they were terrible. <laughs> it's interesting that they, their general depression about going down and their acceptance of it DJ Dave chills it did make it a little bit boring because most people were kind of just going yeah we're going back down yeah. how and, many uh, games have they won this season three, three I think well, and drawn they have been promoted five oh, times since yeah. we were promoted they need to just give up and they've gone back down on the first occasion of four of those just stay down oh they've just won stay, four yeah. beg your pardon they've won four games and drawn, drawn five lost 20 and I think so, their previous their previous full season in the Premier League they won about five or six games as well didn't they so yeah. They are the only team with a worse goal difference than ours at minus 45. They absolutely piss the league every year as well. It's weird. They, they make getting out of the championship look really easy, but then it's it's like they, they just completely lose their heads when they get to the Premier League and completely fail to play football. On to uh, the scrimmage. Yep. Isn't that not a rugby thing? I don't understand the name of it. These things often have got sort of local folklore connections. I've no mm. idea. It'll be the name of like a local river or something. Yeah, like the, that. Or the, the, the scrimmage. Big, big, big burning wicker man type yeah. thing, yeah. We have, we have the scrimmage every September. <laughs> is, that not, is that not down in the southwest? It's a similar accent. I was trying. Yeah. To, I was trying to work out what the Norwich accent is as well. It's it is kind of farmery, but then it's hundreds of miles from Norwich. Is confusing to me because we we went for a, like a family holiday, a little holiday park in in North Norfolk, Alan, Alan Partridge territory, mm. and on a map, it doesn't look anywhere near as far as it takes to get there. 
Like, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've, I don't think I've ever been to Carrow Road. It's one of the few grounds I've not actually been to. But I now understand why it's such a pain in the arse for everyone because we ended up doing an overnight stay, like in a travel lodge in Boston, in Lincolnshire, mm-hmm. just to break the journey up because it was so bloody long Nor- to get there. Norwich are a bit like Carlisle, aren't they? In that every away game is just absolutely miles from, yeah. from them. So, I mean, I'd have sympathy, but yeah. I, I, you know, it took me absolutely ages to realise that the bottom tier, I thought they brought a decent away following. Um, they didn't have the bottom tier. No, they didn't have the bottom tier. I realised when people were waving scarves in it that it was, it was Leeds fans in there. But on the match ball, I was I was being quite harsh on Josh Sargent, but Mark Rivers, who is a former Norwich player, I think was probably even harsher. And Josh Sargent, who, yeah, all right, we, we huffed and puffed again today. We, we saw him amazing he's, performance at Watford. I'm sorry, mate. I'm sorry, mate. He ain't good enough. He is not. I'm better than him now. I'm not. I'm not as being horrible because he doesn't prove. He doesn't provide anything. He doesn't provide any skill. He doesn't provide any quality. He's got no composure in front of goal. I mean, he, he does against, seem to look for the easy ball all the time. We well, scored a couple of goals against Watford. So what? Like a, a six squirrel finds a nut every now and again. You know what I mean? <laughs> One that's going to die. That's excellent. <laughs> he does. He does provide physical comedy. I think as Josh Sargent compared to a dying squirrel. <laughs> yeah, I love that he didn't just stop at uh, sick. But <laughs> let's take this all the way. And uh, uh, Mark Rivers' uh, goal scoring record for Norwich. He played as a forward, seventy four games, ten goals. And even he... A classic one-in-seven striker. Even he is saying that he's uh, he's not good enough. Nigel uh, Worthington signed him. Oh, well. So uh, there you go. Great he, he was uh, He was seeking a pacey striker to partner um, Ewan Roberts. The thing uh, is... Uh, Pacey's all relative in Nigel say, Worthington's world. <laughs> anybody pacey compared to Nigel Worthington. Good. I used to, he used to run backwards, I'm fairly sure, down the, the Leeds United touchline. Next one. Well, this is this is for B-Sotted. Take a note of the time. For this podcast, I've not right. I've not sadly timestamped the 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 Norwich um, what's it called this one the scrimmage I've not timestamped the scrimmage mm-hmm. but you can do it on this one instead so when you when you need to tell people to listen I know to what it. you mean yeah yeah because yeah. because obviously Brentford be sorted they knew exactly that it was thirty two minutes into the Brentford um, preview podcast yeah. that have, a listen, have a listen they, they got really really have a listen to this are you sure are you ready it is embarrassing Simon you know you you you're privileged like us to to watch Premier League games every week I say privilege I still watch Norwich every week but you know what I mean um, you know Bre- <laughs> Brent Brentford, a team, you know, that was where we really lost it last weekend, you know, losing that game at home to Brentford. But look at Brentford, you know, we finished way above them last season. I think it was 10 points, wasn't it? They they kept their best player, Ivan Tony. We didn't keep our best player, Emi Buendia. And Brentford are streets ahead of us now. A great win against Burnley yesterday. Probably didn't deserve it, but ground it out. And how can how can we be saying as Norwich fans that, oh, look at Brentford, oh, wish we were them. And that, that's a really sad state of affairs, isn't it, Simon? <laughs> it is. Is this you basically trying to kick off the Bloods versus the Crips here, Brentford versus Norwich? It'd be such a, a meek little battle with this. I mean, even Norwich are, are having a pop at Brentford here. Even Norwich, the most relegated side in the bloody world, are going like, you've got to be better than Brentford, haven't we? Surely we deserve this. And that's the great thing is no matter how good Brentford might ever get, people are still that. They can't, that can't happen. There's no, They'll just get absolutely no respect from uh, anybody. There is a small good point in there, though, about why Norwich have failed so much and that difference of keeping your best player and selling your best player. And I do wonder if... They've still of, got Sam Byron. They have still got Sam Byron, but it's kind of the one, um, I guess, if we're looking for reasons Leeds have stayed up so far, um, not selling anybody has been probably, maybe that is the, the crucial thing. Brentford didn't sell anyone. Who was up before Wolves when they came up? I mean, Wolves, came up, Chinese I was say, Wolves came up with like a, an entire... Yes, if you're not financial doping yeah. though, you've, you've kind of got to heavily invest as best you can, which I guess is what Leeds have done up to this point. Isn't but that's it, really? it, even like taking out of uh, what you might invest for new players, if you come up with the momentum of 
waltzing the league as we did and then Norwich did, but then you take out a big part of what helped you waltz the league. You're asking for trouble that way. We've been asking for different kind of trouble. Like buying players who aren't good enough. Instead <laughs> of, but at least we didn't get rid of the ones that we really, really needed. Oh, they're not happy, are they? Um, and good. At, at the end of the day, we just need three sets of fans to be unhappier than we are this season. Job well done. Welcome to the Premier League. Are you enjoying <laughs> yourselves? Come in. The water's lovely and warm. Anyway, wider world of propaganda then. We need to address the, the Steve Nichols stuff because we were told on the match ball, I mean, obviously you may, you may not realise this, but there's no planning or um, research goes into the match ball. It's just crazy shooting from the hip straight out of the stadium shit or straight after watching it on telly. So we just sometimes say things that might not be true. That people have told us. We'll, yeah. re- we'll repeat anything. Yeah, we will. I mean, everything on YouTube is true. Oh, that's right. where you got it from, isn't it? It was a YouTube comment. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's my fault, isn't it? Anyway, Steve Nichol was not on co-commentary on the international commentary. We were told by people it was Andy Walker. Mm. Um, for, is he the former Bolton Celtic guy, is he, Andy Walker? Uh, yeah, I, I can't remember him at all. He's just got one of those names, hasn't he? It's, it's, a, very, it's a very anonymous name, he's Andy Walker. Yeah. He, and he's just a, a generic... Name of a good like a scaffolding, a good scaffolder. Just a, a generic... Close, kind of, to the top uh, of, close to the top of the yellow pages, because he's an A, Andy Walker scaffolding. But yeah, he, uh, he is the former Motherwell Celtic, Newcastle, Bolton Celtic, Sheffield United, Hibernian, Wraith Rovers, Air, Carlisle, Partick Thistle, Killwinning Rangers, Isernia and Alloa. Mm. Isernia are an Italian football club based in Isernia, in Molise, uh, in Serie D at the moment. Excellent. Thank you. I'd God. never heard of them before and I'd never heard of him. No, neither had I. Even though I'm, we... I presume we've watched him at some point, either playing for Bolton or Sheffield United, but... The closest they've got is sharing a city back in the mid to late 90s then. They might have been friends. Two Scotsmen in Sheffield mm. in, the, in the mid-90s, him at Wednesday. Um, you know, Walker at uh, United, sorry, Nickel at Wednesday. Yeah, so this is 1996 Nichols, to 1998 they Nichols were Nickel's hand yeah. poking out of that pond as he's, uh, as he's grasping. Well, <laughs> he's not actually. We've, we've established he was, he was not wanting to be saved probably, but uh, yeah. Not Steve Nichol, sadly. Yeah, Steve Nichol, big fans of him on this show due to his dour analysis on ESPN. Uh, he was loving it this week, actually. The clips I did find, he was talking about the PSG game because he'd predicted that they would bottle it against Real Madrid, and they did. They did yeah. So he thinks he's absolutely the shit this week, which is, which is fair enough. It was a good call. Did he get a, a first flight to Paris so he could boo Messi and Neymar? What was yeah. the rest of them? Money, money doesn't make you happy, does it? Look it at doesn't. That. No, like you see that, like it was Messi setting up Neymar for that goal, wasn't it? And both players got booed in the process of <laughs> yeah. scoring for Paris Saint-Germain. So you think we're a bit harsh sometimes on uh, on Leeds United. Christ, it's nothing on those lot of entitled that, babies. That wasn't even the hardcore fans because the Paris Ultras had left at half-time in protest right. already. Okay. At losing to Real Madrid. How dare we lose to Real Madrid in the Champions League? Football just makes idiots of everybody, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, us included. They also, the suffering we have to go through <laughs> every week watching Mbappe, Neymar and Messi. Oh, woe is us. Yeah. Anyway, back to... I think uh, they're winning the league by about 12 points as well. Well, it's not good enough, is it? <laughs> but that, that doesn't make you happy. If you win it every year and you remove all the competition, mm. it becomes boring, doesn't it? Well, that, that whole, in fairness, that whole project set up over there is win the Champions League which they are hilariously failing to do every year yep. which is which is great yep. imagine having those three players in your team I don't care if you know Messi's getting on a bit and then being that bad <laughs> it's great anyway next Burnley commentators right Phil Bird is the main commentator here but this clip did do the rounds a bit on social media this is them this is how they sounded beating Spurs do you remember they did that a few weeks ago yeah which we didn't like did just, we? just to set the context of this okay it's over. Surely he's got to blow. Cole with the kick. He's blown. What a win. What a win for Burnley. 
They have been magnificent tonight. The header from me wins it. What a sensational night for Burnley. What a sensational night for Burnley. I'll tell you what, Sean Dyche could go to Paris and get a tune out of those players, couldn't he? <laughs> four, four, two. Get them organised. Get them running. What would he say? Four, four, fucking two, oh, lads. Right, and then... need a big man as well. He'd have... If they still got two promoting, he'd have him straight in the team. He would he? insist as well on uh, calling Messi Lionel, <laughs> and it would sound like Lionel, Lionel, Lionel. Le- Leno. I don't Lionel. Too many syllables. Leo. He'd keep it simple. Leo. Anyway, Phil Bird. Bit of contrast, is there? Yeah, they lost to Brentford this weekend. But bear in mind the the rule. That how much they're celebrating then? Not allowed to celebrate wins. No. I mean, they're celebrating here like they're, they're staying up. It's, it's like they've won the Champions League. You know, this, you know, this is not they could the go end. and lose eight on the spin here, couldn't Absolutely. they? Absolutely. This is not the end. No. You know, for mo- most of that game, we dominated it. So they can bounce around all they like. They could still go down as well. Of course they could. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's another, that's the real quiz, isn't it? Gala in the background really yeah. makes that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to look at the table, Burnley got 21 points. But Brentford are nine points clear of them now. Yeah. It's fair enough to celebrate it. I know we we do mock Brentford as much as we can on here, but I mean, and they should be mocked for still playing Gala. Well, yeah, there is that. It's and a tune. It is. I mean, I know it's, it's got a fo- bop. It's got football connotations and all that, but still, it's just very Brentford, isn't it? I mean, we play Kaiser Chiefs at full time. Yeah, but I mean, at least there's whether you agree with that or disagree with it. There's some there's some identity to the city there, isn't they there? are from like yeah. yeah. Where's Where's Gala from? Is she Italian? Uh, I think it was an Italian song. Yeah, she may be a fan of the uh, team that um, Andy Walker played for. That would be quick. Cool cool wouldn't it <laughs> it would yes uh, I didn't put any Warnock clips in but I did just find him talking on the radio it's, it's a very short quiz for you Moscow mm-hmm. the question was which Premier League manager past or present would you like to be stuck in a lift with would Neil Warnock like to be stuck in a lift former yes. Leeds United manager Neil Warnock who would he like to be who stuck would in a lift like past in a lift? or present well I mean uh, Josie always uh, <laughs> <laughs> really yep <laughs> uh, I think it's more that he'd uh, he'd like to be stuck in the lift with me because uh, oh, we used to we used to get really go on yeah you know <laughs> yeah. Uh, so predictable right um, we've saved a nice uh, wedge of time here for the end of the show to talk about Jake Humphrey for the benefit of anybody who doesn't know who Jake Humphrey is Jake Humphrey congratulations he presents sorry we're about to ruin your life first of all he's a Norwich he's a Norwich fan mm-hmm. second of all so he presents like the Champions League coverage on BT Sports previously he did the Formula One for the BBC didn't he he was in the pit lane how would you best describe his face <laughs> uh, we don't want to incite violence no. on, this, on this podcast do we no. uh, he, but he's just got one of those faces he's got one of those faces mm. let's, let's phrase it um, as that and he recently posted about his he's got a uh, podcast out hasn't he um niche format it was described as back to him in way back when in 2020 when he came up with this idea about wanting to speak to world-class performers and launching a podcast and it turns out in the subsequent tweets realized he was told his parents his parents said it's too niche jake it's too niche it won't work and jake humphrey with his national television platform my 80 year old parents yeah. said podcasts were not not something they particularly were interested in um and so he's got a, hu- a huge budget production company his tv salary all to back this um i've no idea how he made this mm. podcast a success he's not, really grafted that yeah he? and this was all framed around a picture of uh, the o2 which is the former millennium dome in london when they put the roof back on after the recent storms he said, and look, we've sold. This is my sellout O2 concert. It was like one of the smaller theatre rooms. It's like 2,000 something capacity. So he's done, he's done well. But given that, you know, the budget and everything behind it, let's be fair, Jake, it's no surprise that he's made a success of this. I mean, we've only been podcasting for 
12 years now just mm. just the 12 and really we were nothing before Jake were we before he mm. got his claws into no. this he's really popularised the format yeah. so we owe you a debt of thanks Jake but we also need to mention you because you're a Norwich fan I think Apple should also be thanking him for the increased sales of iPods because mm. that, that was really uh, struggling along um, and in the until wake, he came along and in the, in the wake in the wake of that tweet Guardian journalist Barry Glendenning who has been blocked by Jake Humphrey I should add I don't think they get along do they he was, he was digging him out quite a lot um, I mean, Glenn Denning does, he does go on some slightly, I think, booze-fueled um, <laughs> Twitter, late night rants. Twitter sessions, which sometimes are a bit misplaced, or he's, he's very obviously just trying to wind people up. He's a good, he's a good, and he's a professional antagonist, isn't he? But this he? was yeah. brilliant. Yeah, it, it really was. And well-deserved. But Jake, uh, you've listened to a little bit of his podcasting efforts. Mm. No, this isn't even a podcast. This is, this might, I think this might actually predate his podcast. Right. But this is the kind of... The before times, as they're known. This is like the motivational stuff he's doing. I mean, my, my former job, I used to work at ITV, and we'd have like... What did you do at ITV apart from um, doing stuff for the square ball? Uh, it was mainly that, All to right. be perfectly honest. Uh, it was advertising, selling stuff, and did you get sent, managing accounts. Did you stuff. get sent on courses, training courses, where you had to learn like inspirational leadership and shit like that? They tended not to send me on them for like the last five years I was there because <laughs> they knew because they knew I was they knew I was resistant to that sort of thing. There was there was a residential course. You could do. I love how you resistant. There was a residential course you could do with. It was called upping your Elvis. He's oh on, for God's sake! And the bloke, it, he's um he's kind of a former military public school boy. He said talks like this. Yeah, you know, come on, guys. Yeah, you got to. The reason it's called that is because what Elvis sounded like. When I go into a building, I'll say, "Who's Elvis here?" So he's in the bog. Yeah. He's just. We saw him go in there with a lot of hamburgers. We don't think he's all right. (laughs) An unbearable twat, anyway. And so he used to, him and other people like him used to pop along to sort of sales conferences and give you uplifting speeches. So I've seen and heard people like Jake Humphrey many, many times who will tell you. And at the end of the day, you're thinking, well, they're like, what do you really want from life? And stuff they're telling you. You would have shut up. And you'd think, yeah. Ideally, there's a free bar in about an hour once you once you sh- get once you get the fuck out of here, um, and ideally, probably like to do a job that's not selling, yeah. like a loose women's well, sponsorship. I so. mean, that leads us very nicely into what Jake has got to say. So, yeah. you would be, I think, clip one is actually perfect for mm. the position you were in. This morning, I asked on my Instagram, "Who is really, really pushing themselves to their limits?" Seventy-five percent of people. 75%, that's hundreds of replies, 75% message to say they don't think they're doing enough. And this comes from a motto that I live by. You probably noticed I've got a few. And one of them is never sit in the comfy chair. Now that came from a boss of mine. I was at Rapture TV in Norwich. I would have been 21 years old, something like that. I would failed my A-levels, got a job in telly in Norwich. I was earning four or five grand a year, would you believe? And I was working for this tiny TV channel and I decided to leave because I wanted to see whether I could cut it in London. And I didn't have a job to go to and I didn't have anywhere to live and I didn't really know what I was going to do, but I decided to leave. And everyone at this place was saying to me, you can't leave because you've got nowhere to go. And then one guy, a man I will not forget, his name was Adam. He said to me, if I can give you one bit of advice for your life, never sit in the comfy chair. Well, I don't know about you, I'm feeling inspired. Have you noticed, um, he does that thing that, you know, when we've watched the live watch-alongs of football fans, like um, commentating on the games that they're watching, they will repeat things to fill the time. Like, that's a foul! That's a foul! That is 
a foul. And Jake's just done that with that 75% thing. Did you realise he went, mm. and I put it out to my Instagram and 75% of people, 75%. Well, it's a shocking number. This is mm. it. He's trying to shock people into yeah. realising what's what's going on. Hundreds of hundreds of respondents, mm. 75%. And I've now thought of the next point I'm going to make, so I'll say it. If it's um, repetition that you're after, I think the next clip may be two clips. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm still not ruling out the possibility that at that first job, he was sat literally in a comfy chair that was his boss's. <laughs> And he was like, don't fucking sit in the comfy chair, Jake. <laughs> get out. That's my chair. That's my chair. I like sitting in my lunch hour. Get the fuck out. Boss walks into his office and, and really... find, finds Jake sat in his office with his feet up on the table. I'm just imagining what it's like to be you. Get out. <laughs> I like the bit as well. He goes, it's only four or five grand a year. You can believe that. Because yeah. like, obviously now I'm, I'm, I'm pretty successful now. Like That's that's a good lunch these what's, days. What's uh, that's, that's 600 quid a month tops, isn't it? Mm. I want to know what rent he was paying at his parents, how much they subsidised him when he was doing his first job in telly. Because that, it's like those articles about, I bought my first house and saved up there mm. in the paper. And it's always within the first couple of sentences you find out how much the parents have given him as a deposit or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I lived at home for four years and my grandma died and left me £50,000. He's like, oh, okay. I think it's the start of the next clip is relevant for that. So his early life off of Wikipedia, his, his parentage and, you know, people's back uh, upbringings are what they are, but he's from Peterborough. Um, the son of a retired teacher and a retired chief exec of Age Concern. So probably pretty comfortable if teacher and a chief exec, fine. Yeah, and I think it's the start of this clip where he talks about his uh, his early journey. But he, he went to London, he had nowhere to go. Got on the, got, hear, what, hear what happens got, to him, Michael. Got on the train. Hear what happens bag to him. Over his shoulder. Did, did, he have, did he have one of those little bags on a stick like a... No doubt slept under a, under a railway line for, for months <laughs> under on Under a end. railway line? <laughs> a bridge, maybe. Yeah, I got you. Bridge would be... <laughs> And in their words, we don't employ people like you. So I decided not to sit in the comfy chair and I found another route in to working at BBC Sport and they were incredibly supportive and it was some of the best times of my career. I was not sitting in the comfy chair when I stood in the pit lane in Australia in 2009 and went live on the television when every single fibre of my body was telling me that I was out of my depth and there's no way that I could do it. And then... I was working on the Formula One and an offer came in from BT Sport and I decided not to sit in the comfy chair. I decided to go to BT Sport and that was not me sitting in the comfy chair. I then decided to leave London when the whole of the TV industry exists in London and we came back to Norfolk because this was not sitting in the comfy chair. And I really want you to think right now, what about the comfy chair do you like too much? What is stopping you from going to a really uncomfortable chair? I like comfy chair better than an uncomfortable one. And you know, you know, it's the start that we said people like you. We don't employ people like you. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Middle class white <laughs> lads who were born to a retired teacher and a chief exec. The BBC employs lots of people exactly like that. So what else apart of what, what was it <laughs> about Jake Humphrey? Your white middle class upbringing like, that meant you couldn't get a when job. When they say people like you, what is it about people like Jake Humphrey that they didn't like and... I think it's more of a him problem than, yeah. than I think anybody it's, else. It's not It's not the win that he thinks that is, is it? It's partly <laughs> him wearing his lack of qualifications as a badge of honour as well, because he yeah. does, he, I've seen him do this as well. He, he does it always around results time. He goes like, oh, well, I didn't get any A-levels. But look at me. But probably he failed them mm. when he shouldn't have done. According to Wikipedia, he was sacked from McDonald's when he was 16 as well. So all these setbacks really are just down to him being useless. The, did he remove all the comfy chairs? <laughs> <laughs> I like to think it was uh, former Leeds United director uh, David, <laughs> David Haig, Haig yeah. who sacked him. It was a teenage year old sacking sixteen year old. I see this the other way now as well because my motto now is if if you get in a pub and you get a seat, get the comfy. Don't chair. leave the pub. 
Yeah. You know, if someone mm. says, oh, should we go somewhere else? And you'd be like, well. I'm in the comfy chair. But we've got, yeah. kind of got a corner table. It's nice here. It's not taking too long to get served. Let's let's stay here. Let's yeah. stay we, where we it could, is comfy. We could go into a, a, a pub where we're having, having to lean against the bar. There's loud music on. I'm sat down here. I can hear you talk. Uh, we can get table service. Mm. This chair's re- comfy chair. Well, this is it. It kind of comes to because the, the, there's more of this to come. Unfortunately, <laughs> so I'm kind of saving some of it because the, the what comes is worse. But the, there are people who are probably not the intended audience. This, but there are a lot of people struggling to make ends meet, going to food banks, can't get a job, can't do this, can't would just give anything for thirty seconds in a comfy chair yeah. just to sit down and get a break from everything that is making their lives incredibly difficult. Whether it's even, you know, we're kind of worried about things here, but if you go to other parts of the world where, you know, your, your chair has basically been bombed to bits by somebody who's absolutely out of your control, and then hearing those people this... Are just, those people are just not trying enough, Moscow. Yeah, they're not well, positive. They're Moscow, not working hard enough. Moscow, listen, hey, I had a one, I had my awful TV job where I had to stand yeah. in the freaking pit lane, and I suffered a bit from imposter syndrome. Can you imagine how I've suffered in this world? And then BT offered me a much better job. And do you know yeah. what? I took it. Mm. And then I <laughs> realised I had the resources that I didn't have to work in London anymore, but I could start my own production company in East Anglia. How so I've, I went and did that as well. How, and I, how I've dragged myself out of I'm, the gutter. And I realised it's audience and he's not, he's not, you know, speaking to people in war-torn countries and he's not even speaking to people in, you know, who were not working in media jobs, but it's kind of <laughs> he's off, just no, a, little, he's off. a little bit of awareness that it's, that you know, there are all people, all a lot of people want, all anybody wants. What's wrong with a and a comfy chair would be lovely, <laughs> wouldn't it? Like it gets worse, so I'm trying to save it for the the worst parts. But really, what more do people actually want out of life than just a comfy chair to sit in, something to eat, somewhere to sleep, a nice house, and everything's fine? But then you've got fucking Jake going, no, you've got to go and do something else now. But play the next whatever. <laughs> Because if you carry on doing the usual, then you will only be settling for the usual. It's time to do the unusual. I really want you to think about this. I want you to take a chance. I want you to go out of your comfort zone. Completely change your thinking about taking a risk and taking a chance, okay? Just think of it as having an adventure. I bet 90% of people watching this can take a big risk, can take a big chance. And if it doesn't work out within six months, they can be back to where they are today. No, well, I've got no good, they can't. I've got a good point on this, Moscow. My, uh, my energy bills are about to go up from about 80 quid a month to about 160. They're probably going to double. So I'm thinking I might have an adventure. I might take a risk over the next six Just months. Bang the central heating right yeah. up. Crank up the heating, open the fucking windows, <laughs> not pay my bills, see what happens. Get out that comfy chair. Within six months... You're probably back to where you were anyway, apart from uh, the financial ruin and obviously uh, probably debtor's prison, which you might be, might be able to be reintroduced. It's, the six-month thing is really, really important when you listen to the next clip where right. he, is, he is listing the things. Bear in mind, he says, you can take a risk because within six months, you can be back to where you were anyway. So, right. so really, what does it matter? Well, just to draw on my own experience from this, I got made redundant from my job. Uh, it was the back end of was it 2019 my job finished. So I had to take a risk and do this. Had this not worked out, within six months, I would have still been made redundant, but with no money. <laughs> um, well, was, you need well to he's making a good point then, because you, you got out of the comfy chair and you got into the <laughs> office chair here. So, but I think that, I mean, that's... That's okay because you had you didn't really have a choice. Your job was being taken away. He's talking about quitting, and and so what he says here is some of the worst life advice. 
imaginable. It doesn't need any more build-up than that, apart from just to say, listen to the things Jake Humphrey is about to suggest that you should do just because life has got a little bit too comfortable and do not do any of these things for that reason. I, could, I mean, I could be a Jake, a Jake Humphrey's hero here because I did quit my job to do this. You did, yeah. But if I'm perfectly honest about it, I was kind of ready to quit, leave that job anyway. Yeah. I wanted to do this. But, I mean, the bastards wouldn't even make this, you redundant, would they? They wouldn't. I really did try. You did try. <laughs> but cru- <laughs> crucially, the real crucial aspect of this is I own a house. I don't have a very big mortgage. My wife works. I knew things would be fine for six months. That's, that's for me, things were going to be fine for six months. And if I needed to get a proper job, I'd get a proper job again. It's not good advice for everyone. Do not fucking listen to Jake yeah, Humphrey. Jake is about to make a lot of suggestions that, are, that go long, far beyond changing your career. <laughs> I, love how, I love how angry you are. So why don't you go for it? Just whatever it is, moving to a foreign country, changing jobs, breaking up with your partner, asking that person in the office who you've always been in love with whether you can go on a date, having children. Like, there's never a good time to have kids, and that is not sitting in the comfy chair. But you know what? Just go for it. Whatever it is, whatever you haven't been doing, it's time to do it. Give it a go. Give it a go and fail is better than not giving it a go at all. So I'm sort of challenging you with this video. I'm basically saying, what do you really, really want out of life? Really want? And why have you not gone to get it? Why have 75 people said to me on Instagram today that they're not giving it their all? How do we evolve? How do we, how do we break new frontiers, find new drugs to treat illnesses, visit countries we've never been to before, unless there were people at that time who were willing to take a risk, willing to push the boundaries? This is it. This is the moment. Make this video the moment that you go, right, I'm taking a risk. I'm going to go and do this. Yes, Jake. I'll leave you with the words of Nelson Mandela. Oh, come on, Jake. Some things seem impossible. Until they're done. <laughs> a production company in Norwich seemed impossible until it was done. We would never have had penicillin. If it or, wasn't for Jake. you know, electricity. If people hadn't taken that risk, split up with their long-term spouse, had a baby with their boss's wife, just all of that stuff. And what you should do is have children with somebody at the office that you've fancied for years, doesn't matter about your home life, and then fail anyway, because it doesn't matter. It's just a baby. It's fine. You can give it back after six months. And you've only ruined the lives It's within within the warranty. You've only ruined ruined the life you had with your old family, with your spouse and any kids there. The, the, The life of the family of whoever's a spouse you've stolen to have those children with ruins probably the entire company has fallen apart because everybody's <laughs> fighting over you breaking up your marriage to go and ask somebody else out. But you know, what if we don't take those risks? Well, I'm 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 Team Jake, and I, I like how he he drew an equivalence between his production company in Norfolk mm. and the discovery of penicillin. But you know, I'm going to follow some of his advice now because I think it's good sound advice. You know about. Um, the person in the office that, that you've always wanted to tell that you love and, you know, splitting up with your partner, maybe going to a foreign country. So, Michael, um, mm. I know it's probably not the easiest time to do this live on the recording, but uh, I am thinking about leaving my wife mm-hmm. and it's because of you. Fine. Um, well, it's because of Jake. Well, Jake's inspired me to tell you how I feel about you. Mm-hmm. I'd like us to go run away together, mm-hmm. start a new life. Mm-hmm. Um, Saudi Arabia sound all right? Yes. We'll, we'll go get on the old pro- Keep it risky. Yeah, yeah, I like danger in my life. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not been in the comfy chair. Um, I'm following exactly, Jake. Yeah. yeah, I think it's going to be quite an uncomfortable chair for a, a, a homosexual couple in you'd, Saudi Arabia, be, isn't it? You'd be tied to it, I would imagine. Yes, yeah. and uh, 
This is, I mean, <laughs> this is that not a no? <laughs> I'll, I'll think about it. It's, it sounds too uncomfortable a chair yeah. from, for my personal taste. Right. Okay. It does genuinely make me angry, this stuff. This, I've, I've not realised the extent. Like one of the things Barry Glendening calls him is J-coil for snake oil. And this stuff, this, this is the fucking sales pitch of an absolute <laughs> It's When he says 75% of people... 75% of people on his Instagram say, we don't, we don't feel like we're doing enough in our lives. I will guarantee you that 100% of that 75% of people who feel like they're not doing enough in their lives would feel like they were doing enough in their lives because they are if they unfollowed Jake Humphrey on Instagram, who every fucking day is telling them, you're in a comfy chair. You're not doing enough in your life. Why don't you take a risk? Why don't you do this? Why, Why don't you do every, that? Everyone should present on BT Sport. Every, like, probably. <laughs> and I, if you're not, you're not thinking there should, there positively should, enough. If there's just more, not enough, there should be more jobs there if you yeah. wanted there to be. And because if if ever 100% of people on Jake Humphrey's Instagram all go, actually, yeah, we're, we're pretty happy, his business selling this shit is ruined because nobody's going to pay him to come and tell them that their life is a fucking failure. <laughs> it's what it was his entire, he's built all this around. Those 75% of people don't need this guy telling them that they're not doing enough about, in their lives. What about the new drugs? And I, How will they ever develop if Jake isn't there with his, with his admittedly no A-levels that he's going to be making just in a lab? Whoa, just take a risk. Someone drink this. It might, it, might, it might cure cancer. Who knows? Oh, no, you're dead. Brilliant. I mean, I don't think that new drugs are created by taking risks. I think it's done with really diligent scientific work mm. where they'll try loads of different stuff really methodically. And then yeah, I don't think it's got anything to do with belief because the only thing that does have a huge amount to do with belief, as Moscow says, is selling this kind of shit because this is exactly what this entire industry is, is built around is that you can come in and you can, you can pretend that just telling people something is going to make a difference and it actually doesn't. Well, and you first have to make them feel <laughs> inadequate, mm. which is what it all is. And like, you, yeah, you, you tell people, first of all, this is your fault, mm -hmm. but you've got it in, well, you have it within you. To change. I mean, especially, I mean, I don't know where this was, when this was first come out, but, you know, we've had however many years of pandemic that everybody's either been ill with or worried about. And now, you know, the impending war, we are mercifully far enough away from it that we're not in immediate danger, but it is a concern. I don't think anybody is not under stress and doesn't, I don't think anybody needs to fucking hear this smug fucking bastard <laughs> telling people, I think you could try a little bit harder, couldn't you? I think you're a little bit too comfortable. No, who is comfortable? Just go and have who? some kids. Moscow, you've not got any kids. Go have some. Yeah, just fucking have some. Just go Doesn't have matter, some. does it? Pick somebody. Who? And go and have some. Just go and ask people on the street. Ask if, ask if they want to have a baby with always you. Goes, you. You always look a little down. bit too comfortable. <laughs> always goes down well, that. Uh, if it? anyone's watching wants a baby with Moscow, he's up for it. He's, yeah. he, he needs to. I, well, even if he says he's not. I'd be a willing carrier, but na nature to, means I can't. He so. needs to get yeah. out of his car. You should have another. And get divorced. <laughs> life life is hard enough without wankers like this coming around and telling you that you're doing a shit job of it um, everyone you're all doing fine I think you're allowed to be unhappy yeah. it's fine yeah I mean you are allowed to be unhappy you're that's allowed, why we're Leeds fans and it's not just about unhappy you're allowed to just if you've got to the point where you actually have a comfy chair and things are cool everything's fine mm. it's that's okay yeah. you don't have to burn that down just because some fucking this guy and I can see him on the <laughs> screen in front of me what, so, so I think that you should be trying a bit harder the picture you, of Nelson Mandela is ashamed of you he, he got out of jail through thinking and trying harder yeah I mean <laughs> to liken to liken him getting a job um, 
at BT Sport to Nelson Mandela's plight is insulting in the extreme. That's the other thing. I mean, these things maybe do help some people. I don't know. But if the image I've put on here of him is him looking quizzical, I would say, and smug. But the Trying to look interesting. Bear in mind, this is one graphic, but it manages to fit in the very limited text on there. Feel better, live more, world-class habits. Meaningless fucking words. They yeah. are, they, that means nothing at all. I don't think anybody is helped by this, especially not. And it comes back to the podcasting as well, where, you know, you've got... You've ten, got a headache. You've got, <laughs> you've got like... <laughs> 15, I can't remember when podcasts really started, like, because it was long before we It was mid-2000s. It. Mid so like 15 yeah. years of people taking a risk, doing all that stuff, working really hard to make that a success. And then Jake Humphrey comes along and says, well, that was all irrelevant because I've started doing it now and I've invented it. And so I'm taking all the risks to start podcasts. And so I think it's just made, another example of him making, point. <laughs> making everybody feel <laughs> worthless about the things that they've done that they can be proud of about working hard to get a comfy chair. And then he comes along and fucking <laughs> kicks a, a leg off it and says, well, that's not good enough because <laughs> I I've didn't done, do it. I didn't, yeah, basically. And, the sheer, and you didn't do it the way I would have done it. And the sheer fucking insult dished out to a huge number of jobs as well. Like people who are just, who, who are, if you are, a nurse or a bin man, jobs that fucking need doing. In your comfy chair. Unlike your shit job, Jake, which if you didn't do, the, the game would just play and you wouldn't, yeah. we wouldn't have you talking over it, which would be a fucking how, blessing. How long have you been nursing? <laughs> how long have you been nursing? Why well, don't you do something better? I've been, I've been nursing for 40 years. I've been a, a midwife. I've rubbish. Brought, brought people, where's your, lack, where's your ambition? Yeah, exactly. What's this? You've brought thousands of children into this world, <laughs> helped people in the worst times of their life for not much recompense but, where was your lack of well, you should be running that hospital I've got four cars <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know, and you know where they're not even in London do you, do, you know, do, you know, do you know how many bedrooms I've got eight and a, and a, a basement with a pool in yeah yeah um, makes your job look pretty fucking stupid doesn't it I toiling think, away teaching those fucking snotty kids I think we've made, you've wasted your lives I think people I think we've made the point don't you We've, we've reinforced the point. I feel like Moscow's um, so, ready to go out and form some world-class habits. So just, so just to go back to where we started on this, when I started talking about Jake Humphrey quite some time ago, mm. now when you see that photo, what do you think? <laughs> I think um, I think he should listen to this and I'd like to hear his opinions. Yeah, because, you know, podcasting, it's all about give and take, isn't I'm it? I'm sure he'd welcome yeah. feedback. So our world-class habit would be to say, let us know what you think, Jake. Funky feedback as someone um, in one of those aforementioned ITV sessions was there anything, referred to it Was as, there anything funky about it? I, I think I said it was rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember feeling that I did check it was anonymous first, but you had to give, <laughs> occasionally you'd have to give feedback on various speakers through, through, throughout the day. And on one of them I did just put, this is like the the most hollow shit I've ever heard. Company I used to work for, there was that, there was an anonymous survey went around everybody and I still didn't trust that it was anonymous. <laughs> well, I did... Because it was a Google form and we had a, a Gmail system, so I did it. On, I did it on my phone while on an incognito window, in a, in a way to try and just in case there was a way of tracing it. I mean, I don't know it was me because the people would have seen my face during it all as well, which probably would have been a bit of a giveaway. And only five of you in the room. <laughs> yeah, you were. Uh, you know, he's turned this into a book. Oh, super! So there is a book, High Performance: Lessons from the Best on Becoming the Best by. Jake Humphrey and Prof. Damien Hughes. It's got some uh, blurbs. Um, when he says from the best, does he mean himself? Probably. This amazing book will teach you the mindset and habits of champions, 
High performance has already impacted some of the best players and coaches across the world, but Jake and Damien's insights are equally valuable to people from any walk of life. I urge you to open this book and open your mind to the lessons within. You know who said that? Jake Humphrey. Jake Humphrey. No, no. Professor, what's his... No, no, no. Nelson Mandela? It's an independent uh, viewpoint from a, a, a very happy Frank reader. Frank Lampard. Got it. actually... <laughs> That's Frank Lampard. Also on the, uh, the the cast of Shame, Fern Cotton says it's good. Uh, mm. Tracy Neville um, and Sir Clive Woodward. So there we go. But Dick, yeah, if Dick you want to... Dickheads every one of them. If you want to pay... Uh, <laughs> Frank Lampard and him are very... They are, they can see they'd be good mates, actually. Well, he always goes into bat for Lampard, doesn't he? Like When it comes to like Chelsea's record and stuff. I, he's try the one to, who, I try not to watch him because he's unbearable. Yeah, he's always like, you know, let's just say Frank did this and Frank... Oh, fuck off. So if you want to pay... 10 quid to have somebody to tell you that you're not good enough so the book is available <laughs> and let's end this Frank show Lampard we, we have gone good. really long on this one but just let's just look see how much it cost him for a speaking appearance we let, can book him to speak let's Get just him in here let's just book say him throw stuff at him let's just say <laughs> if you're still alive you are good enough so yeah right, you're doing fine you're doing fine crack on just crack on and keep going yeah ignore this twat if you're in a comfy chair Enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. You've done well to get in there. It's comfy yes. for a reason. It's not coming for, for free, has it, that comfy chair? Exactly. Enjoy the comfy chair. We'll see you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.